0: This is a production from the Yak Podcasting Network, the home for your growing sonic map of local voices united in their commitment to the best in podcasting.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to From the Felt. My name is Ryan Crow, and I'm here along with Bill Hewer and Sam Von Uh brought to you by the Texas Cardhouse. Uh, we're actually all recording remotely today. Uh, Bill, Sam, how are you guys doing?
2: Hey, good morning, Ryan. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Sam, how about you?
0: Man, I can't complain. Living living the dream down in Austin, Texas. Put together a couple of winning cash game sessions back to back. Going to host a little round and round game this week at the card house.
1: I am living a dream. Very cool. Bill, Your uh, is your tournament winning streak still going?
2: <clears throat> well, you know, I played in that uh, Houston Poker Live event uh, on Saturday, and I thought I would do a lot better than I actually did, unfortunately. Uh, I got knocked out when we got down to four tables, but on a positive note, out of the nine people at my table, four of them made it to the the end of the money. One of them ended up winning the thing. So, uh, I knew there was a winner at my table. It just wasn't me. You got down to the final four tables. How many tables were there? Uh, 10 tables. Oh really? Wow.
1: Okay. Nice. Very cool.
2: Uh,
1: Sam, how about you? You you Plenty, plenty good poker this last week?
0: Uh, a lot of cash games. actually didn't play too many tournaments, but uh, put together a couple of back-to-back winning cash game sessions, which is always rare for me, but uh, we'll take it nonetheless. And uh, we're going to look forward to hosting round-and-round round game here that I've been doing weekly now on Tuesdays at Card House. That'll be tomorrow, but uh, no, not too many winning tournament experiences to write home about as of late. And just to be clear, that, that's in Austin, yes, right? Yes, that's the Austin one. That's correct. Anyone anyone that wants to come take your money needs to go down to Austin, right? Yeah, make the drive. I'm I'm you know I'm not folding, that's for sure. So go ahead, I'll
2: call. Ever since ever since I've been on this uh, tournament streak, Sam has stopped inviting me to go with him to tournaments. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know I, I'm trying to keep out the good players, Bill. You know if you, you keep cashing, <laughs> I need need to save room and the
1: in the money for me. That's awesome. Well, uh, guys, we have some special guests on today. We actually have the general manager of the Texas Cardhouse in Austin, James Combs, with us. We also have the general manager from the Texas Cardhouse in Houston with us, uh, Mike Major. Uh, Mike, James, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me on.
3: Doing fantastic. I do not have the long introduction that Sam and Bill did, uh, but still thrilled to be here. We just had the HBL; It went awesome. Uh, it was good to see Bill go out a little earlier than usual.
1: that wasn't arranged was it
3: Uh, you know it almost feels like you guys have been planning that i can't speak (laughs) to that i don't think that would be
0: appropriate on air (laughs) yeah mike you were there while you were running that hpl did you hear bill earlier kind of slide in a little brag about making the top four table the final four tables final yeah, the final four.
3: No, well, yeah, and in the N NA, double or N-Double-A-C-P-A, I almost NCAA. That is, uh, that's that's a great. In college
0: basketball, yeah, final four. But when it's when it's ten-handed tables, or maybe nine, we'll call it nine, just to make it sound better. That's that's like it was thirty-six
3: nine. players left. World Series of Poker. That is a huge cash, a gigantic yes. cash. Um, but I don't know if poker uh, players usually shoot for the top forty percent.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Keep, keep it up, boys. Okay, keep great. it up.
1: We all have goals, yeah. right? And when we achieve those goals, we should, we should not look down on others when they achieve theirs. That players, said, so. I've
3: seen Sam play, and I think the top 40% would be a great goal to set for yourself for the future.
0: So we just look to make it past the registration break. <laughs> we make it that far win.
2: For the record, I did play in a nice little tournament on Sunday, which I did end up chopping first. So I redeemed myself there, and I cannot wait for Houston Poker Live Tournament to come back to Texas Cardhouse. I'd really love to see that uh An Austin Poker Live, uh, a similar thing, be put together. I think it would be a a hit. It was a great tournament. Antoine did a fantastic job. I I really enjoyed his updates online. And uh, I just wish I would have been in a lot of those updates. Unfortunately, I wasn't in any because nobody cares about the final four tables. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but Bill and and Mike, I'll ask you all because you all were down there firsthand. Kind of Tell us about Houston Poker Live. I don't really know much about it at all, which is kind of embarrassing because I heard it was a huge turnout and a really big success.
3: Well, Bill... Yeah. Bill will be able to speak more to that history. Um, it was started by Antoine Armor, uh, great guy. He is definitely tied in in the Houston community. Uh, he has a very strong following with the HPL. But as far as the history of it goes, I'm not. You know, I, I'm not super versed either, having just gotten here in the last four or five months. So,
2: as far as the history goes, Antoine had come into Post Oak with this idea that he he wanted to have a, his own kind of miniature poker tour, if you will. And I thought it was a great idea, anything that furthers poker in the state i'm all I'm on board for. And uh, he put it together. and so I'm, I'm not sure exactly how many he's hosted to date, but I know he's done a few at least three or four around Houston. He has a really cool bracelet that he puts together, so the, the winner got a bracelet. And uh, this the, the the one that just ran at Texas Cardhouse. Was the first time it was ever won by a female. Actually, first and second place were both females. Awesome. So uh, it was, yeah, that was really cool.
3: Yeah, I was going to mention that. That was actually super cool. Not only were first and second, I mean, heads up, two females at a final table is pretty rare in a large tournament. Um, but the final two tables, there were seven women, and at the final table, there were four women. And I went and looked the other day, and women made up about fifteen percent, fourteen, fifteen percent of the registration. So that was pretty, That's pretty huge. impressive result.
1: So they kicked ass. I mean, if, if they represent 15% of the field, but they're making that many on the final table, that's, that's pretty impressive.
3: Yeah, they're 40% of the final table. And I've often, and for years now, actually argued, I think women, I don't think they're as drawn to poker as men are necessarily, but I do actually think that women make better tournament players than men do because of the patience factor. I think they're willing to sit and wait. But as we all know in this group, because we're all male, they uh, know when to be aggressive.
0: <laughs> I think if you listen to our money maker podcast, he, he started, you know, kind of saying the same things that that women they're outnumbered now, but they're on track to be better players for those exact same types of things. They're, they're discipline, and you know, so many times that's what you see. That's it's not about winning; it's, it's about so many people losing just because they spazzed out on the table. And you know, that's that's where it really comes in. If you can have that discipline, that mental game, and you know, yeah, money seem to think that they're in better position to you know, be more advantageous at those, at those types of the game.
1: How many women players do you see coming to the club on an average day? Like what's the percentage there? It's probably closer to like 95% men, right? Or 90. Like I,
3: I would say maybe five to 10% women. That, that would be my guess. And that, and that's really a max. I don't, I, I think 10 is definitely a, a high number.
1: James, what about in Austin? Uh, I'd
4: say that that number is pretty close. I have one or two regular regulars that come into the club on a daily basis, but, absolutely want to have that number higher. Thursday at the club, we have a uh, 50% off of ladies uh, all day at, at Texas card house. And on those days, we have a little, little bit higher uh, number of women that come into the club. But other than that, we really don't get
1: more. They come into the club. And you'll do that happy hour with Austin and Houston, right? Yeah.
3: Yes, we also do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I wanted to update not to go backward, but um, Antoine is actually texting me as we're talking. So I just said, hey, how many HPLs have you had? And uh, he's done seven ring events, seven trophy events, and two bracelet events. So I want to give him credit. Uh, he has done quite a bit of work in the last few years, apparently apparently more than we realize.
0: What was the reaction in town to the hardware? I know some people kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, well, unless it's the real deal, it's no big deal. But. In Houston, I feel like that's kind of cool, like we did that with the Scott tourneys and that we started introducing hardware and I personally just think it's a neat thing as long as the numbers are there you know if it's a three or four table tournament, okay, maybe no big deal, but I mean you guys had ten tables that's a we
3: had a people. we had hundred and twenty two entrants yeah. so I mean it's not like you didn't didn't beat some players if you uh made that final final table and uh no, which by the way, so bill made the top thirty three percent congratulations um but No, uh, the, the hardware was actually awesome and the design was really cool. And I know Antoine himself put a lot of time into that. Apparently, uh, it was the Houston skyline with HPL, you know, essentially written into it. Uh, it was a silver on what looked like a platinum. I don't know if it's actually platinum, but it was a silver on what looked like a platinum kind of a two tone, uh, very, very cool bracelet. So, uh, anyone that wants to check it out can definitely check out our, uh, Check out my Facebook page or check out uh, the uh, Houston Card House, Texas Card House Facebook page. We have pictures up.
1: Sam, uh, James, is there a similar type of group in Austin, uh, like an Austin Poker Live group? I, I haven't heard of it. If so, I mean, do you guys know
4: anything about that? Unfortunately, there's not a big group like that in Austin. It's a lot smaller. Um, there's an Austin poker group that's only got about 600 people in it. It's not huge like it is in Houston, but you can always help form that group, make it bigger. It's only about 600 people here in Austin. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The grassroots poker scene in Austin is huge. It's just that people aren't on Facebook for that group like they are in Houston.
0: I think you might even be referring to James. Those are kind of like restaurant leagues or more like free and social leagues. I mean, this one, I think, you know, the real answer to your question, Ryan, is no, there's nothing in Austin for like competitive, you know, dollar. What was the buy-in in Houston? I think it was like two hundred dollars.
3: Yeah. It was, yeah, it was two forty. Yep. So
0: that's that's a that's a competitive buy-in in a in a in a big field for you know decent amount of change up top. So I don't think there's anything like that in Austin. There, there's some pretty large groups of restaurant leagues and free roll leagues that they're playing for some money. But I mean, it's it's more like you're playing for package prizes and things like that versus you know this is a fifteen guarantee that you know more than, I think almost doubled that number. And how, how much was up top in that one, guys?
3: Uh, about 5K. There's about 5,000 up front. There was 22, or I'm sorry, 24,400 in the prize pool. And uh, you know, to speak to what you're saying, I, I did just read an article actually, and it was about the World Series of Poker potentially coming to Texas. And it was funny to me because the first comment on the article that I read was from Antoine, and it said, "Absolutely not. I'm taking over Texas Poker." So I wonder if he. Is in, You know, if he's planning on going, like, Texas Live and doing Austin. Yeah, maybe, and doing,
0: maybe he shouldn't have limited his his brand by just calling it the Houston Poker Live and, and go statewide. Come to Austin anytime.
4: Well, last I checked, we've had multiple tournaments with over $200,000 in the prize pool. If WSOP comes to Texas, Texas
1: House is hosting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if we, I don't know if we can fit. Uh, I mean, gosh, how many how many tables do you have to have for an event like that? Like 100? <laughs>
3: At least I'm going up to Pottawatomie in a couple of weeks for the WSOP, and uh, the last one I was at, I think there were 1,213 people in the first event. So they're they are large events. There's no
4: question about it.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, look. One of the things I want to do today is kind of just dive in and talk a little bit about a little bit about you guys. Uh, you know, let let our listeners kind of learn. You know, who 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 is the who's behind you know Texas Card House, Houston and uh, Austin, and, and who's kind of running the show there. And so. Uh, let's start, actually go back and start with Austin, James, uh, and, and, and kind of uh, um, give a little bit of just kind of your background, where you came from, and just talk about, uh, you know, your experience in general, just, uh, you know, prior to working at the Texas Cardhouse. Well, thank you, Ryan. I've been around poker since I
4: was 16, or at least around casinos. My first real job was working at a casino in St. Louis. Um, started as a valet, worked my way into the casino and into the poker room. Uh, it was pretty much my My real job as I was growing up, uh, and then I worked into the the poker room itself, worked my way as a dual rate, and then September 11th happened and I joined the military, spent eight years in the military, uh, was hosting a a live game in my house the whole time I was in the military. (laughs) After I got out of the military, I continued to host that game in my house, and then I saw what Sam Von Kennel was doing down south um, as I moved into Austin. Uh, unfortunately I live in Northwest Austin and the game was in South Austin would have taken me about two hours through traffic to get down to the Texas card house when they were founded over four years ago. So it was a little difficult for me to drive all the way down there to go work for Sam. So I kept watching what was happening, kept watching the Austin poker scene in the card rooms. As soon as I saw that there was a card room opening up a little closer to me, it takes me about 10 minutes to get to the Austin card room. That's are the Texas Card House that's right here off of uh, 183 in and Mill in North Austin. I immediately started hassling Ryan to hire me and started here as a dealer. Um, since the Texas Card House in North Austin has opened, I've worked in every role that's here in North Austin. And I was the first general manager that the Texas Card House has hired that was not part of the ownership team. And I've been doing this job for a little over a year now. Uh, so I've worked great. across the entire company.
1: No, fantastic, fantastic, and so yeah, it's it's been great having you. And so, uh, let me ask you this: so, so is is working at the Texas Card House and being the general manager kind of what you expected it to be when you first took the role? I and mean, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Like, what's your uh, like, what what has been like? What you did expect, and what did you not expect?
4: Well, when I first came on, I actually approached uh, Ryan to be the assistant general manager. Um, I could see that they needed a little help from somebody that was in the club every day. And then they came back to me about a week later and offered me the job as the GM. Uh, Is it everything I expected it to be? Yes. And way more. There's a lot more jobs to uh, being the GM of the Texas card house, even though it's not a huge casino. um, It's a small club, which means that everything goes through me. Uh, Human resources, um, the, the banking, the banking guy, the, the guy that, Everybody goes to when there's a problem, uh, which I love being able to do everything. I love being the the, the point of contact for all the employees, for all the customers. I I like that aspect of being the GM in a small club.
2: I, I'd love to hear uh, kind of walk us through your day. What's a typical day for you over there at the Texas Card House in Austin?
4: Well, the typical day is the the at the bottom line is not typical. Uh, but what I do on most days is I'll come in, I open the club. Uh, I check emails, do bank runs, do vending runs, um, do bank. uh, Like I said, I do the bank run to make sure that my club is ready for operations every day. I greet customers. Um, I do human resources as necessary. I do payroll. You know, I do the jobs where in a larger corporation, they're going to have three or four or five people to do the same job. I'm going to do all of those jobs just to make sure that they all get done correctly um, because that's what they—that's what my job entails. So I can make sure that I do all those, and then I'm going to reach out to Mike and, you know, we we bounce ideas off of each other for what we can do to make the the club successful. Um, here coming up, we're going to be starting. Our, we're going to be doing our calendar for the month of. September with all the tournaments that are coming up. We've got some exciting tournaments, tournament changes that are going to be coming up for the month of September for Texas card house. So all of those will be announced in the next couple of days. So, you know, that'll be my day for today. That's what we're going to be scheduling for the month of September.
3: I'm pretty confused. I did not hear office nap or Netflix anywhere in your description <laughs> of your job. So
4: I see what's going on in Houston. Okay. Right. I was surprised want to I talk, didn't talk to Mike. <laughs>
2: I was surprised i didn't hear any time to play poker
4: that's what I was going to ask. I mean, I know what
0: it's like when I go in there and play. Everybody you know enjoys splashing around with one of the you know the original founder, but I see you jumping in there and play, and it seems like everybody has a good time when you're in there too. They, they enjoy it i don't know if that's just because you're bad on the table or it's just because you're having a good time with everybody.
4: I do get the occasional chance to play, but usually that's after everything. Uh, to make sure the club is successful and run the back of the house, then occasionally I get a chance to play at the end of my day. Uh, usually by the time I get to play, I've already been here for 10 or 11 hours. Then I get the chance to
1: play. When you could be napping. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, May yeah, in Houston, I mean, excuse me, in Austin, uh, well, in Houston, we recently got Poker Atlas put in. Um, and so just kind of jumping back over to Houston for a second, Mike, How's that been like the poker atlas experience, the players do it? Cause we're actually going to be getting that in Austin shortly too. And so I wanted to kind of just, you know, get your thoughts, Mike, uh, and then, you know, kind of talk about how that may help in Austin.
3: Well, I mean, generally I think poker atlas is a fantastic product. Um, most of my experience is with Bravo, uh, as we discussed, and I would definitely say that it is by far the superior of the two. Um, that said, you know, uh, You know, and you and I have dealt with this. We've had a few uh, network errors stuff on our end more than anything. But that product, whenever it's working, one hundred percent is fantastic and such a help to the room. And not only that, but great for tracking. We uh, recently had a uh, a big player, a celebrity in the room, and Chris MoneyMaker, and had to do some special tracking for him. And sure enough, there was a program. You know, I could just pop it right up and get the information I needed. So that was that was pretty fantastic. Uh, The the designers definitely outdid themselves.
1: Yeah, and James, so so the plan is to get Poker Atlas in Austin here in the near future. I mean, what are you expecting from that? You think, you think think How do you think players are going to react to that? Because right now in Austin, um, everyone kind of pays at the end. So essentially in Austin, you go in and you check in at the front desk. Um, everyone plays uh, for whatever time. They can play for 10 minutes or they play for 10 hours. And then when they leave, they essentially check out and they pay at the end. Whereas with Poker Atlas, you actually have like an account and you pay up front and then, it, and then your time just kind of draws down on that. There's actually computers at each table. And so when you're sitting there, it draws down. Um, it's very different in Austin. Now, I know some of the clubs in Austin have adopted it already. Um, but the Texas Cardhouse, you know, we've, we've been open for so long. We've done it this other way for so long. How do you think players are going to react to that change? I think some players,
4: or a good portion of the players, are going to be pretty excited about it because they can track exactly how long they've been in the club. They can pay ahead of time and see how much time they have left on their account. They're going to be able to uh, sign up for the wait list ahead of time. That's a huge step for us um, to be able to call in, sign up for the wait list. When they come in, their name is already going to be on the wait list, and we'll be able to find them a seat immediately. Um, For us as a club, being able to have tables open as players are on the way in the door, so they're not going to be waiting in the lobby. They'll just be able to come in. As soon as they walk in the door, we will be like, hey, we have a seat for you right here. That's a huge step. No longer, were you gonna have, no longer are you going to Hopefully, no longer you're going to have to wait in the lobby. You'll just be able to come in and we'll find you a seat in a table. The for me as a player, the last thing I want to do is come in, sign up on a wait list, and sit there and not play. Poker Atlas is going to remove that step, hopefully, so that as soon as you come in, you're going to be able to go straight in and, and sit, sit down and play some poker.
0: Yeah, I think you know, Ryan, to your point, the maybe one slight negative or, or our, our customer base in Austin might feel different is that they're paying ahead of time. And that might be a little uncomfortable or not normal to them, but the perks that it's going to come with to be able to see what's going on, see the games that are open, get on the list ahead of time. And, and, and just like James said, be able to show up and walk right into a game started because now the card house knows y'all are on the way. So let's get things going ahead of time for you. The perks are going to far outweigh the fact that the player might have to pay ahead of time. I don't think the player is even going to balk at that in the first place, but you know, any, any of the ones that do, all you got to do is just show them, say, look, all the, all the good things that come with this. And it's going to be a no brainer. And I think Poker Atlas makes both for the, you know, the card house and the player. It just makes things even more transparent. It's uh, all the better experience to know when when you're going to show up and, and what games are running when you do. I
2: agree with Sam. I agree with Sam. I think that uh, people are going to love Poker Atlas. James, when does Poker Atlas actually go live at Texas Card House in Austin? Uh, I think Ryan can
4: probably answer that question a little bit better than me because he's in contact with the Poker Atlas team, but should be no later than the middle of September as last I was told.
1: Yeah. So we've, I've been talking with, um, you know, the, the, poker Atlas guys. And we're essentially in the process of getting that set up. Now it should be in the next couple of weeks. They're actually the, like the CEO and a lot of his team, they're actually in Australia right now. I don't know if they're doing an install over there, if they're there for vacation, but they're off gallivanting off in the land down under. So, uh, when they get back, uh, you know, in the U- in, in the United States, we'll, we'll get them here and we'll get that stuff, um, installed. One of the things we're doing different in Austin is we're actually having the, the tablets cut into the table. So actually going to be sitting in the table, not in the dealer trays. It's going to take a little longer to install, but I think once it's done, it's going to look very nice. Um, it's going to create um, a really good experience for players at the table because the tablet's very important because as people are sitting there, <clears throat> you know, we're able to track who's playing what games, what games are more popular, which allows us to provide a better, better experience. But We're also able to allow players to, to track what games they're playing, and they can also see how much time they have left. And so, um, I think having that table in or the tablet in the table where they can see it is very important. It's that we're going to get installed uh, as we do it in Austin.
3: I was going to say the same thing, actually, um, that the players at first in Houston, and of course, we don't have the history Austin does, so they aren't as accustomed to the software that you've been using for so long. But they, it took a little bit of time to transition, but they really like that they can see their time. And I would say the biggest hurdle is actually training your dealers to pay attention to the box and to see whenever it turns, because it's kind of like a stoplight. It'll turn yellow, then it'll turn orange as it gets closer down to like 10 minutes, and then it'll turn red in the final five, but it's training your dealers to call for time. But after that, it's a pretty fluent experience, and the players, because of that, it's transitioned or have transitioned very quickly. So that would be my advice for James is be on your dealers day one to pay attention to those colors because they do it definitely does matter and it definitely helps the player experience and the club experience to
4: flow smoothly. I appreciate that Mike and like you said our, our dealers are going to they're going to have to learn that but I have faith in the, some of the best dealers that I've ever had the privilege of working for or working with and I think that they'll be able to pick it up pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. And and one thing with Poker Atlas coming in, it's funny. I I sat down and played a a little tournament at the Texas card house yesterday. And, uh, the first thing I get asked when I sat down, someone's like, Hey, are you Ryan? I was like, yeah. And it's like, Hey, are you, what are you doing about that check-in fee? I heard you don't do that check-in fee anymore in in Houston. Why are you doing it here in Austin? And I was like, Oh man, here we go. And so it's interesting because, you know, I think we've decided that when we, when we introduce Poker Atlas, we are going to review the pricing for, for Austin. Uh, but it's funny how, how, um, big of a topic our our daily fee or check-in fee has come in Austin because not a lot of the clubs in Austin do that, uh, whereas in Houston and some of the other areas, they all do it. And so it's been it's been very interesting to kind of hear some of that some of that feedback. And so I think that one of the things that we'll, we'll, we'll kind of do is review how we're doing pricing because with Poker Atlas, when you're buying an account, I think it's pretty popular for clubs to say, hey, if you buy you know, um, you know, a hundred bucks worth of time, you get $10 free or an hour free. And so um, all those types of things come into play when you get into the poker outlet space, because I say that that space, it's all the clubs using it because they all um, have special types of pricing where if you buy up front, you know, you get some type of discount. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what we're able to do from that perspective and how we're able to compete with other clubs that are using poker outlets in the area. So real quick, let's jump over to, uh, to Mike and talk a little about your background and the Houston location.
3: Sure. Um, well, I've been in poker now for going on two decades, or involved in poker now going on two decades. Uh, I started at the President Casino in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, same as James. Uh, and James could probably tell you if he remembers the president was a real shithole. Uh, and just that, it, and this is a true story, it's probably my favorite thing about the president when the president, uh, was finally decommissioned and they tried to take it down to, to, uh, New Orleans down the river, it literally sank on the way. So I was probably close to death there more times than I could count. Uh, but after that I went to work for Harris, or which was eventually Caesars cause they were of course bought out, I think in 2007, uh, that was 2004. Uh, initially I was playing 40 to 60 hours a week. I was a dealer. Um, and frankly, I was the guy who was on the EO as fast as possible every single shift. Uh, but what happened, you know, I mean, the the manager there at the time was a guy named Brian Grody. And he, I guess you'd say, had a lot of respect for me or my opinions about poker. And he kept coming to me or calling me and we would have, you know, special little meetings or meet and have coffee, blah, blah, blah. And eventually it was uh, apparent to someone that maybe Mike should be a supervisor if the manager's constantly going to him for advice. So. We ended up, uh, you know, he offered me a job. Um, I got full benefits, you know, and, and whatnot. So that was a good, it was a good step in the right direction. Cause I'd just gotten married at the time and, uh, went that route for a while. I wasn't super satisfied with that. And I moved up slowly, but surely, uh, from a supervisor role into more of a managerial role and then into, uh, working multiple positions for Caesars, you know, involved in, uh, in groups that, that were primarily, uh, focused on development within the casinos, actually picking apart departments and then putting them back together again
1: in hopefully better shape than they were. That was the idea. And just, just, but you, you also have a little young one on the way, right? Or you have a little kid, right? I
3: have a little young one. Yeah, I have a 10-month-old now after uh, 10 years of trying. So I, I kind of joke she's my $120,000 baby, but it's not a very funny joke because it's not a joke at all. Um, so yeah, no, we, uh, my wife and I did IVF multiple times, had some very specific complications and, uh, my wife had a couple of surgeries and yeah, now Harper, Harper Gretchen is here and she's 10 months old. So congrats on that, man. Totally, totally worth it. And thank you very much. Um, I, it's funny cause I had built up well yeah, so I, I started, I'll just say I started major developments in 2010 Uh, I left Harris, decided to start that. And basically, I left probably for the opposite reason most people would leave. I was told that they had kind of put me on an executive track. And I kind of looked at it and said, Do I want this to be my life forever? Do I want to be part of Caesars? And I decided I didn't at the time. Um, So I started major developments working with small businesses. uh, And out of that, I worked with a uh, massage therapy group that did focus on casinos and in a year I built them from one to five and they'd been trying for a couple of years to pick up new locations and I realized pretty quickly that with my connections in the business, I could do that business. I also didn't care much for one of the owners, uh, so I was happy to go and steal some of his thunder. So I started Blue River Casino Massage and uh, now we have seven locations uh, and we've been operating now for uh, for nine years. So um that is essentially my background. Uh, with Blue River Casino Massage, I obviously stay around poker a lot because casino massage happens almost almost exclusively in poker rooms, and that means I have to be in poker rooms often, which is totally okay with me.
1: So how does your typical day compare to what James' is? Like, like you know, How are you enjoying the Texas house? What are your biggest challenges? Like, what, what are your thoughts there?
3: Well, I usually wake up around 2. Uh, hey. I, it's typically like a row of Oreos. I, I like to dip them in milk. Then I head toward the card house. There's no telling the time I actually get there because I have to stop at Starbucks. Um, no, uh, it's it's a long day. Um, and, and, you know, especially through the startup process, it's been a really long day in terms of just, uh, as James, you know, uh, alluded to, you know, you really do fill every role. Um, and so, yeah, the typical day is, is fairly untypical in a lot of ways you you never know exactly what you're going to get and uh, and i'm constantly joking that well not joking at all again it, it's impossible to get out the door if i try to walk out there are 10 things that come up and hey mike i just need you for five minutes before you go but no i mean the the day is uh it's it's i mean i'm always there before we open usually a couple of hours uh i like to go in and do any busy work before it opens because as a startup um it's been advantageous sometimes for me to play, uh, and the players there don't mind at all uh, because, frankly, I'm not an idiot at all. I like action; I like to get it in there, um, and that that helps a lot. So, uh, so a lot of times, I'm actually starting games at the beginning of the day, and usually uh, looking to get out of those games as soon as I can, so that I can get back to work. But, uh, but no, the 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 regular day is is just it's actually, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a little bit of stress and a lot of fun uh, kind of melded together and usually ends way later than I tell my wife it will.
4: Yeah. That is a common theme between me and Mike. My wife daily ask is, are you going to be home for dinner? And I'm like, no idea.
3: (laughs) Oh, well you're, (laughs) I'm a more accomplished liar because I always say yes. And then I'm always home at 11. So.
2: (laughs) I've, I can vouch for, uh, seeing mike play in the games he's definitely not a nitty player and he definitely likes to spice up the action so uh, I, I try to get down there and play anytime i can when mike's playing he does a great job of that yeah
3: bill's a big fan of the blind raise and then the blind play throughout a hand he's a big fan of me never looking at
2: my cards i am that's that's one of my favorite plays i, I literally wait for that to happen that's why i go down there and play
4: i'm willing to bet that mike probably wins somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 of the time when he does that though
3: Ooh, when i do that ooh that I would not, I thought you were going to say 60% of the time. And I was going to say, you're a donkey, but, uh, no, uh, I, I do not think I win 60% of the, my blind hands.
2: Now, So Mike, I think for you coming down from, uh, from St. Louis, coming from, you know, from an area that you're used to into an area you're very unused to like a fish out of water and given the job to open up a new location in a market that's, really saturated with not only legal rooms but underground rooms Mm -hmm. what's been your biggest challenge getting texas card house to where it is texas card house houston to where it is right now tell us about that
3: i mean primarily getting you guys to do exactly what i say at all times the Mm -hmm. ownership um no that's a that's a joke we
1: we do that right off the bat what are you talking about (laughs) no
3: um the, the biggest challenge has Certainly, been learning and overcoming this new market. I mean, literally across the street from us, we have a fairly busy underground room that we are slowly but surely, you know, uh, uh, gaining traction and taking that market away, which is fantastic. But, um, but that has been the biggest challenge. Is you know, I, uh, I'll, I'll, go on maps and I'll put in poker room in the area and I find two or three, and then I find out there are actually seven. And then, you know, Jim Bob comes in and he's telling me about his three times a week game at his house. That's a mile down the road. And, uh, no, I mean, the underground games are pretty rampant here and that's definitely been something to, uh, to fight against. And also, you know, it's difficult to come up with the right promotions and the right ways uh, to incentivize players, whenever you're going against rake that is in sometimes the fifteen to twenty five dollar per hand range, it's very difficult to uh, to fight those numbers in general because they can afford to give back so much. Um, but I, I actually think we've been we've been pretty good about doing so, and I think that uh, I think the players are really coming to respect that and and coming over coming over to Texas Card House. I've seen a lot of new faces lately, which is fantastic.
2: Yeah.
1: just curious about something you, you just mentioned you said it's it's harder to promote against the games that are taking large rakes and that's because they're giving it all back is that kind of what you're because i would think if they're taking a big break it's easy to get those players away because they don't want to pay all that money the money's coming off the table but you're saying they don't perceive it that way because all they, they get these perks all these other things it's hard to compete from a um a, a amenities standpoint
3: absolutely i mean our amenities are absolutely second to none you know that the, the place is beautiful but just in terms of literally giving it back, or just spoiling them with, hey, we're going to have this steakhouse, you know, delivered tonight, or whatever, you know, extremely expensive things like that for a, a club to do day in day out. Um, that that's more what what I'm talking about. But uh, you know, the, the rake thing is interesting because I'll talk to some players who will say, oh, well, I don't play that often, or, or I'm a tight player, so the the rake makes sense to me. But whenever your rake is fifteen to twenty-five dollars per hand, you you play two hands an hour and you've paid more than the thirteen an hour. Um, and besides that, the averages just bear out. You know, even the casino rake of anywhere from four to seven, depending on where you are in the country, is considerably more than thirteen dollars an hour. So, I do think it's taken a little bit of time just to break that loyalty and for players to realize that there's a lot of value in $13 an hour that it's actually considerably, considerably cheaper.
0: One thing, Mike, I always tell the player that that brings that exact scenario up to me is, oh, I don't play very many hands. So it's probably smarter for me to play in a raked game. It's, It's not about them playing. I mean, their opportunity, even that player who doesn't play many hands, their opportunity it, it, every hand that goes by, there's 15 to $20 in rake getting off the table. And so their opportunity two hours later to win is, is just that much less. Like all that money is disappearing. And so it's not about how much that person might have been raked because maybe it, he did beat the $13 an hour mark. But how much money did that person miss out on in the hands that he won because the rake is eating up you know 150 to $250 an hour off the table?
3: Yeah. And, you know, I thought you were going to go a different direction, but that makes 100% sense. But I mean, the direct sort of logical counterpoint would be that if you don't want to play here because you're a tight player, wouldn't the loose players want to play somewhere where it's only $13 an hour, where they're not being raked so heavily? So the game is, you know, our games at Texas Cardhouse are fantastic. And I think that's part of it. I think that the, the players who like to get the money in there are aware that we're the better deal for them in the long run. Because they're, you know, they are playing so many hands and they're only paying $13 an hour. So therefore, there's more money to win whenever the tighter player puts his money in. There's a much higher likelihood they're going to pull back a big pot.
2: Besides that, all the great uh, features that the Texas Card House has, the comfortable seating, the spacious tables, train dealers, the, uh, the organization... Yeah, I just don't understand why anybody plays anywhere else. I mean, that's just, just the, the place to be, the the feeling that you get when you're in that room, being able to see a TV on every wall and above you, music playing. It's 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 just the nuts when it comes to playing poker for someone that likes to play.
3: It is a beautiful room. And I mean, obviously I'm biased being the GM there, but it is one of the most comfortable rooms for sure that I've ever played in, you know, and I've played certainly a lot of places. So
1: so what? Uh, let me ask you this. So, so, so let's talk about like what's coming up at the Texas Cardhouse. But we can talk about both, both both Austin and Houston. I know we've got several events coming up. What, uh, what what's on the agenda over the next month or two at the Texas Cardhouse?
4: I'll start with uh, Austin. Here in Austin, we have the SCCO Two T tournament, the Social Card Clubs of Texas. It's coming up. It'll start uh, on September twentieth. It's a uh, five hundred dollar buy in tournament, two hundred thousand guarantee event. Uh, That event starts on the 20th of September. Uh, We also have uh, some great new tournaments. Those will all be announced later this week. Uh, If you check out our website, you'll see the the new tournaments are going to be announced later this week. Poker Atlas will be coming to Austin here in the next few weeks as well. So both of those, uh, so there's some exciting new things coming to Austin. Uh, So for Austin, I'll throw it over to Mike. Uh, Mike has some uh, celebrities coming.
3: That's true. Uh, We have, you know, kind of just going in chronological order and also maybe in order of uh, sort of, you know, their overall celebrity would be we have Jamin Burton. He's going to come the 20th through the 23rd. Uh, He's going to be there for the start of the Scott event at our location as well because we'll be doing flights there the 20th through the 22nd. Uh, Jamin will be in town those days. He's also bringing with him a guy known as Rain Delay Dan and anyone who watches or uh, listens to The Drawing Dead Jamin's podcast and uh, vlog knows who uh, who rain delay Dan is so both of those two guys will be in town the 20th through the 23rd I think they're gonna hang out in Houston uh, till the 22nd and then I think we're gonna do a little road trip down to Austin to check out that room because I know Dan is definitely interested in playing in your bigger games Um, after that we have Greg Gramer Greg is gonna be here the 26th through the 27th officially but uh, just in private conversations, I've uh, you know speaking with Greg, he plans on staying through the weekend. Uh, he's definitely hoping to bag and be there for the uh, you know for the final table. Which, with his record, uh, not only being the 2004 champ, but also you know eight million in career winnings and 15 titles, there's probably a decent likelihood of that happening.
1: Um, so we so we know that so Jamin Burton and Greg Raymer are going to be playing in the 500. And uh, was it rain delay? Rain delay, Dan. Yeah. So, all three of them are going to be playing in the $200,000 guarantee Scott tournament, correct? Um, I will take,
3: I will, I've known Jamin now for 15 years. I will cajole him into playing that. He's primarily a cash game player, but I'm going to beat him over the head until he puts $500 in and plays that tournament. Um, rain delay, Dan will definitely play in it because he's always, he's always looking for a shot at the bigger money.
4: So, so I'm willing to bet when uh rain delay has a good shot at, at bagging today too. But uh, I put uh, money that uh, Jamin is just kind of torching it into the, into the tournament
3: well and that's what i'm saying i mean he's he's not a tournament guy he'll tell you he's not a tournament guy dan has had a lot of success he's actually won the venetian a couple times uh dan is obviously a cash game player um i was just intimating to ryan the other day that dan is actually one of the guys who is on the aria ban list for their cash games uh the bigger more private games at Aria, the players have now requested he not be allowed to play in the game, which to me he's upset about, but I think that's like a badge of honor. Like if you're that level player, you know, uh, you're, you're, you've obviously you've accomplished something for sure, but he's also a very good cash game or I'm sorry, tournament player. And uh, I would probably actually put money on Dan, making it to bagging to the, today day two. He's, he's that, that level of player for sure.
2: So that's a total of five celebrities playing in the Two hundred thousand dollar guarantee, Scott tournament. Is that right? Um, let's see. You forgot. You forgot Bill. You forgot Bill Hewer and Sam. I was,
0: say, I, was I, Sam von
4: I mean, I mean,
0: <laughs> I did final table it last time. Let's not. You know, that's not a forty percent brag. That's a top ten percent brag. Five percent brag. I think.
4: I mean, Sam von Kennel is good for at least four or five bullets into the social card club tournament. Right. <laughs> that's half the.
0: Guarantee. We're gonna help us get the guarantee. That's how we get there.
4: Well, I am.
3: uh, Yeah. So, okay. I apologize. I thought we had three. We apparently have five celebrities playing in the tournament that we're aware of. Um, I won't lie. There's a chance I'll fire a bullet out if I can possibly find time to do so, uh, you know, without being completely derelict to my GM duties. Um, But yeah, after that, we do have uh, Brad and Andrew, Nimi and Owen coming. I think that's a, probably the, as I said, sort of the order of the, the celebrity right now, those two are just blowing up all over the place and the events that they show up at are huge. So they'll be here October 2nd through the 3rd and uh, we'll be doing meetup games. I actually spoke to Brad and Andrew uh, just a couple of days ago and the plan is to leave one to two seats open at each table so that they can just jump around and play. So anybody who shows up will have a chance to, uh, to sit with them and play
4: some cards. And Mike, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but they just did a meetup game in Chicago where they had over 200 players at their meetup game. So if you want to get out and play some 5-5, no limit hold'em action, that's Brad and Andrew's forte. Uh, I fully expect them to fill the room with some 5-5 players uh, doing their first meetup game in Houston when they come down to visit you.
3: Yeah, no, and the cool thing. That's absolutely true. And, I mean, we've had actually a 5-5 and a 5-10 running on Saturday nights. It has been a fantastic game. One of my supervisors said the other day that needs to be an RFID table because there are several pros sitting at the table. And I expect those guys will definitely come out for them uh, for the 5-5 day, and I expect basically people to come out of the woodwork on that one. Um, but the cool thing is we're going to do one day of the bigger game and then one day of – you know, an open seat at each table. So the, Hey, our one three players will have a shot to play with Brad and Andrew as well.
1: So I think that's a pretty awesome setup.
2: That's cool. I'm looking forward to having all those celebrities come to town.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. Um,
2: right. hey, so, uh, hey Ryan, can you uh, go into more detail, the importance of the Scott tournament and how it relates to poker in Texas?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, in, in general, this, the social card clubs of Texas has done tournaments like this for a while. And we're actually going to do a couple of podcast. the next two podcasts, actually uh, we're going to do on social card clubs of Texas. I think for our next one, we're going to try to get um, Foster Hearn from SA card house down here to, to get on the podcast with us. And I'm hoping to get one of our lobbyists on the week after that to really talk about like what Scott actually does. Um, ultimately the money from these tournaments really funds, the legislative efforts for um, the social card clubs of Texas and all the clubs and all the players in the state. um, You know, it's, it's really for them. You know, our goal is to make it so that Texas Hold'em poker is here to stay for the long haul that we're not uh, constantly having to battle or or have issues like the Mayday raids. Uh, And so um, really this is, is for the players. You know, we put a lot of time, a lot of money and a lot of effort into of fighting for, for poker in Texas. And this is a way for everyone to contribute, not only to a chance to win a lot of money, but to do it for a cause that's going to help all the players.
2: It's like we're uh, going to have so, a day one and day two of the podcast to lead up to the Scott tournament. And, and everybody who's listening, who supports Texas poker should be playing in this tournament. I know I'll definitely be playing.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I certainly hope so. And uh, like I said, you know, we'll, we'll have uh, you know, two Scott episodes that are leading up to the tournament We'll give everyone a chance to essentially um, hear about what we are and, and what we're doing. Uh, and if you have any questions that you want to ask us, feel free to email us at FTF at TexasCardHouse.com. That's FTF for From the Felt. I'd uh, love to have your questions. Um, as, we, as we do future podcasts, we'll make sure to answer those questions. Uh, if you have any questions for Mike or, or um, James, you know, feel free to email them as well. Uh, you can email Mike at Mike at TexasCardHouse.com or James at TexasCardHouse.com. Uh, feel free to tell them how much you love or hate the club. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure those guys would love to hear from you guys. Any other questions, thoughts? Well, you can also follow me on social media at TCH
4: on Instagram. Um, uh, Mike has a Instagram. You want to give him your handle, Mike?
3: Yeah. I'm at uh TCH Um, And on Twitter, I believe it's the same one, at TCH.htx. On Facebook, I have a very long-winded, it's Mike Major, GM at Texas Card House Houston.
1: All right, guys. With that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Look forward to doing the next podcast with Scott and uh, James. Mike, thank you guys for coming on, and uh, hopefully you have a good week.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Ryan. It was fun. Thanks, Ryan and guys, for having us on. Thank you.